0: Welcome to the Sport Manitoba podcast, hosted by Nolan Cole. Welcome to episode 27 of the Sport Manitoba podcast. Nolan Cole back with you. I'm the digital media specialist at Sport Manitoba. At Sport Manitoba our goal is simple. We aim to ensure every Manitoban has access to the resources they need to achieve their full athletic potential and we do this every day by developing the skill sets of Manitoba's athletes, coaches, volunteers and officials. We're also the main funding agency for amateur sport in the province with over 65 provincial sport organizations located inside our building. All 26 of our previous episodes, including last month's episode with Desiree Scott, are available anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search Sport Manitoba Podcast. And we want to emphasize that we followed all public health and physical distancing guidelines in producing this podcast episode. You know, one of the great things about hosting this podcast is the opportunity to speak with people who truly devoted their life to their sport. And I think our guest on this episode fits that bill. I'll introduce you to a prominent member of the judo community here in Manitoba right after a word from some of our sponsors and campaigns. Sport Manitoba's annual Night of Champions will look a little different this year, but with support from our partners Club Region Casino and Event Centre, Conica Minolta and Calm Air, we are still celebrating the triumphs and perseverance of our athletes, teams, coaches, officials and volunteers. We'll be featuring a handful of these inspiring stories that stem from the COVID-19 pandemic. Watch for the video stories on our website sportmanitoba.ca and on our social media channels during the week of April 12th. Extreme storms with intense winds can wreak havoc on trees and power lines. Contact with a downed power line can be fatal. If you see a downed power line, call 911 immediately. The air, the ground, as well as objects and water around a downed power line could be electrified and cause electrocution. Stay a minimum of 10 metres away from a downed or sagging line about the length of a bus and warn others to stay away as well. This message is brought to you by Manitoba Hydro. Sport Manitoba's annual Bison Transport Sport Leadership Series is committed to empowering and inspiring women to become leaders in sport. This year, we have a free five-part online series that wraps up with our final session, Female Leaders in Sport and Business, on March 17th. To register or to learn more about the series, visit sportmanitoba.ca. According to Mo Oi, judo is a lifetime sport, and Mr. Oi is certainly living proof of that. The soon-to-be 84-year-old is still heavily involved in the sport as a coach at U of M. Inducted into the Judo Canada Hall of Fame in 1996 and the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame in 2000, Oy recently received another honour, as Judo Canada promoted him to 9th degree black belt. Only two other people in Canada currently have this distinction. Judo Manitoba plans to have an in-person celebration to mark the accomplishment when public health restrictions allow, but in the meantime, Mr. Oy joined our podcast to discuss his lifelong passion for judo, how the sport has grown in our province, and his advice for young athletes. Here's my conversation with Mo Oy. Thanks for doing this, Mr. Oy. First, I want to ask you about your most recent accolade. So your promotion last month to ninth degree black belt, what was your reaction when you learned uh, that you had gone up another level?
1: I was completely surprised. You know, I'm the president of uh, the chairman of the of the my, uh, Judo Canada. He phoned me. He says, what? He <sighs> just, just caught me. Like, I figured that eighth-degree black belt when I got it 15 years ago, that was it, eh? Because nobody gets to the fifth, eh? at heard it. There's only two of, two of them left now, fifth-degree black belt. They're in both in uh, Quebec. I know them both, eh? And the last one out west was... Uh, one was in Alberta, Mr. Senda, and then one, another one was Mr. Inouye in Victoria, B.C. So they died now. So there was only two left. So now I'm among that. I, I never thought, it's, it's not many even the world get up to the ninth. It takes It's a long time, so...
0: Well, and, and yeah, I mean, so Henry Fast from Judo Manitoba, yeah. you know, yeah, so he mentioned to me two other people living right now, they're yeah. both in Quebec, so when you consider that, it kind of puts it in perspective for you, doesn't it, just three people, including yourself that have it?
1: Uh, when I got my eighth, <laughs> I thought, holy God, I got my eighth degree black belt 15 years ago, right? Eh? it's been that long, I, just, I, I thought that was it, Yeah. you know, and uh, but I continued with my Judo, I, I still worked out all the time and kept in good shape, so...
0: And there's still one more level. Is that right? Tenth no, degree. <laughs> nobody gets there. It's
1: a 10th degree. I think there's one in Japan. Uh, that, that's, that's out. When I got to my 8th, 7th was high. You know, never mind. When these, once you get your 6th degree black, whatever you want, it's a red and white sash you get, eh? Yeah, yeah. Instead, you can wear it with your black belt. So you wear that until you get your 8th degree from 6th to 8th promotion. It's yellow, uh, well, sorry, white and, uh, white and red. But the 9th, it's all red.
0: Well, hey, you still got some time, so you might yeah. set your sights on that on that 10th one. But uh, I, I'm just curious, uh, Mr. Oy. so are you still going as strong as ever? Like, are you still coaching, yeah. competing? What's, yeah. yeah,
1: That's right. Update the of COVID there. Yeah. I, I still teach at university, you know, and uh, actually I've been coaching at the university, you won't believe it, since 1960. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> so Long the, tenure. Lots of athletes went through, you know. That was before they had uh, a Frank Kennedy building built. And I was working out at the hangar, the Air Force hangars. back in. there. Was only a population of U of M at that time with five thousand students when I first started teaching there.
0: Yeah.
1: That was Dr. Kennedy hired me to teach there. So that's a long time ago.
0: And and you mentioned it's a lifetime sport, but up until how long were you competing? Do you remember? Oh, a long time ago. Yeah. Back in my, if you don't
1: compete too long in the okay. especially in my days yeah. when I first started. There was no weight classes. I was fighting heavyweights. I weigh one forty-five. I'm I'm fighting guys three hundred pounds on that. Yeah. You know. And then by the time we got weight division, I was almost ready to be in the retirement but stage, right? So. Uh, yeah. But still coaching. Oh yeah. I was coaching after uh, from from. Uh, well, say I would say that my coaching career began in about the mid '60s was with. When I uh, at the club downtown, there was no university there, so I was already coaching kids for beginning. Then I started coaching the uh, more ad, uh, younger adults, and uh, continued on there. And then once uh, the university started, yeah, I opened the dojo. They asked me to teach there, but that club began to really grow. Okay, and then I was mm-hmm, yeah. uh, still teaching there. But don't forget, that was my that wasn't my full job. My, I'm in education. Eh? Right. And that yeah. got me into actually teaching judo because teaching uh, become, go to education classes. Yeah. Get my degree in Bachelor of Arts. Yeah. And got my um, <coughs> Bachelor of Education because I enjoyed teaching. So that, actually, I was out of school for a while. I didn't start back to school till I was 26. I started taking courses, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that took, you know, and uh, that, that was uh, quite, I enjoyed that. So I was trying to. I was living on my own, so I had to provide rent, right? Yeah. So I was working at CN part part time, and I had a good boss. In the summertime, he let me uh, he let me go to university in the morning to take the courses. So that did that for two years, so I was able to finish. I actually got to my BEd. I did it in five years. bachelor's uh-huh. education, yeah. And what, what did
0: you teach? What grades did well, you?
1: Teach? I, was, I started off at the. Uh, teaching grades, uh, junior high school, at uh, actually, Belleville Junior High, Belleville was the elementary school, at, uh, sort of a junior high school at that time, and uh, from there, I went to, uh, most of my time was spent at J.H. Burns Collegiate, but that was, okay. that I went from teaching to the Department of and I was Vice Principal there for 20, 25 oh, years. okay. That's where I retired. Yeah. Then in between, I was at Windsor Park Collegiate for a while as VP. So. That was, uh, you know, and I was, you know, getting my judo in after that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I was busy.
0: Yeah. Well, and being a teacher must have, uh, you know, it must have been a natural transition to coaching, right? Because there's a lot of teaching in coaching. I was
1: coaching before I was teaching.
0: You were coaching before teaching? Okay. So you kind of, that kind of yeah, blended That's right. after. So yeah. it was easy teaching.
1: Yeah. <laughs> actually, you know, I didn't have, I, actually what I learned in judo, you learned discipline, respect, and I, I tried to do the same thing in schools. So I had no trouble with kids, mm-hmm. you know? And number one, you're teaching judo is respect for one another. Yes. So I, I try to carry it over into school. You know, for example, kids in junior high, they get into trouble. You know teachers Teacher asked to come down or do something in the hallway. Well, I would just see the kid in the hallway creating some disturbance, so I never rip at him. Never. I would just get him. I said, Here, come with me, take him to the office, and I talked to him. I never embarrassed anybody in front of other kids. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So it worked. I didn't have too much discipline problems in the schools because, you know, actually if you treat kids fairly and you don't, and you're, you have your discipline, everybody knows you, uh, how i like to follow discipline plan and well-organized. So, you know, they do that. You do it with uh, respect. Don't have no trouble. Yeah. Good. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. Same with the parents. Deal with them, you know, with yeah. parents. They used to come in to see in the office about the kids. One of was he's mad, okay? He said, Dude, "You're pretty angry, aren't you?" I say right off the bat, says I am." So I said right off the bat, <laughs> "I could see I can do it.' right away. way, they cooled down already when I tell him that and they explained that to me." And you know, I said, "You really helped me in teaching." Yeah, really did, actually.
0: That's good. That's yeah. good. So, take me back to how you got started with the sport because I, I read that you first learned the craft in RCMP barracks. Is okay. that right?
1: Uh, before that, yeah, that's officially. So initially, what happened was that. From 41 to 46, I was in an internment camp in PC. Oh, wow. I was part of that group. Yeah. So five years I was in internment camp. So they had judo started there, but I was, I, was, I was too young. I was 13 and over, but I had an older brother, nine years older, he was taking judo, and he got to be one of the best ones there. So when I got lo- just a little bit older, the last couple of years I was there, he taught me the basic. Yeah. So, because I couldn't have joined the class, because you had to be 13. So that's where I really learned some of the basic, some of the basic pr- basic judo, okay? Yeah. Then I came to uh, Ma- Winnipeg, Manitoba Whitemouth first for three years, then came to Winnipeg. Uh, Mr. Mutani, who is, became the founder of judo of Manitoba, he had clubs going, he, he started teaching once, he, then he went to, he opened up at uh, RCP barracks on the main floor and the officers were sleeping, yes, it was on Sundays. So that's where I—that's it. That's where I started officially to get real official lessons, back in the for, in the late '40s. Wow. Yeah, that's when. Uh, so he was my main instructor. He, he was a founder of judo in Manitoba, and a lot of the people that are teaching across Canada—they all came from the west coast, where they studied judo, and they when they were, we pat. You know, after the, uh, <laughs> internment camps ended in '46, they all. Had a lot of them had we had to relocate, and I came to Manitoba with my family.
0: Interesting. And so you said your brother competed, uh, and I know your son competed. We can talk about him yeah. too. But so it, it must have ran in your family. The sport was a, a family thing. Well, yeah,
1: it? Well, it was my older brother, so I, yeah. I kind of enjoyed. It once I started taking it back in the late forties and fifties, you know, and I had a real good. Well, I got the sensei, the head instructor. Yeah. He was the, like he found, he started you Manitoba, so I had him as my my <laughs> instructor. And of all the hundreds of people that he taught, thousands, I'm yeah. the only one alive in the sport that's stayed in it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. The, I'm, that's I'm his initial one. Yeah. You know, so he was a really excellent instructor. And then Henry Fast started with me in the, at the 1961 when I started up at the university. That's what he became one of the, my top guys. So he's still in it. See? Yeah. From 1960
0: on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's impressive. Uh, okay. So you talked about coaching. So, you know, you've coached several high level competitors, including your son. He was on the national team, some mm-hmm. Olympians. Uh, what approach do you take when working with these well, athletes?
1: I try to, well, I just like what they did want to t- teach later on, you know? So what you can okay. do is you t- you teach them as individuals. You don't, you do group exercises, but you always know how, what their skill levels are. So you try to, I try to do a sort of individual type of progress with them. So if, I teach a technique, I don't expect them to be as good as somebody else. They go at their level, it might take them longer, but after a while, they, they get their skill levels up. Yep. And then you, you never, I never force students to do, go into anything. So when I talk with kids, they're into sports and become pretty good competitors. Eh? First thing I tell all of them, there's three things they you should remember. Number one, you respect your family, that's number one. Then I would say number two, Education is number two with you, okay? That comes before judo. Then it's number three is judo, if so you become good. But make sure you do all those top, and three is, well, as I'm concerned, judo is third important. Family, school, then yourself. <laughs> that's the way I teach it. I did talk t- t- with my top students, even Mr. You know, even when Mark was there, Berger, you know? And, you know, and all my top students, uh, you know, I, that's the basic principle I stood by.
0: I still do. Very well said. Uh, and I guess just similarly, uh, in your view, uh, in terms of the, the actual competition, so what are the most important qualities, would you say? Is it technique, strength, strategy, mm-hmm. stamina, all those things? Well, what would
1: you say? I would say it starts with uh, so your mental capacity. you going to be really strong up there, okay? And you can't think you're going to be losing all the time, whatever. You, tra- you train them so they become to the best of their ability. You don't have to compare them with anything else. You could say, look, you train here and do this, this, and that, and do it as best as you can. And then get yourself, in order to do it, you have to put some extra work in. You're going to get into physical shape, you know, physiological shape. Mentally, you are got to be capable of, of doing what you want to do and be able to, you know, stay in a competition without getting nervous and, you know, get defeated before you even start against the guy you always lost to. Mm-hmm. So the mental part is very important. And it's, that's the psychological and then your being in physiological shape. That's important. You got to be doing that. Even now, I work out. I go for my wife and I walk out, walk, go for walks every day, in the morning, even this cold weather. Yeah. And we work. in my downstairs, and downstairs, I work out. Got a small weights set up. Do that. Ride the bike. I've been doing it ever since I've been doing judo, and I stopped judo. I, you know, like with the competitive part, I just do yeah. it anyways. We still do it. Yeah. So it's a lifetime thing you can do, and I still. I still work out. I put the belt, tie it up to my bike. I got down there, you know, and I do my practice judo doing what you call which call me repetitions. Reps, I do hundreds it. of those every uh, each time, yeah. maybe five, 600 a week yet. I do these entry level techniques uh,
0: Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, so full disclosure, I've never stepped onto a judo map mm-hmm. myself, but uh, from the videos I've watched, you know, it looks like a fairly physical sport. Mm-hmm. And you just said it's a lifetime sport, yeah. right? So, so how physically demanding is it?
1: Well, it depends what you want to do. You do want to do for recreational or competitive, okay? So the competitive, like at the U of M. most of the people doing judo there are recreational, or maybe even more than 90%, okay? And then maybe 5%, 10% want to do competition, becomes more important. But they also do the recreational part of the stuff I teach, the katas, the forms of techniques and that. They all like to learn that because in you know to get promoted to your next degree and that you got to learn certain katas they say you know forms of techniques so they got to practice that that's part of the recreational part of the judo which is great yeah and you, even when you're people started getting good at that when they're past 50 60. i got guys in their 70s i'm in my 80s i still do we practice kata and people like that that's another form you can use besides just competition yeah and pop competition is like you know the pro hockey you know yeah. people playing on teams. Well, judo is the same thing. You'd like to get some extra competition. You want to see how good you are against somebody else and maybe against some of the better ones, maybe the best in the, best in Canada or best in the province. So that's part of the aspect that you may enjoy doing. But those that stay in judo after, if you're just into competition, they'll stop it. These days, they used to, I used to be able to keep my guys in there, you know, until their 30s, but now most of them, after 20, 21, the competition days are over, they seem to quit, except a lot of them still in my club stay in it because they like the recreational part. Okay. So you got to have that, which is mostly judo.
0: But is it, um, in terms of like the, the competitive side of it is, it, is it, can you stay in it long-term or is that tough? No, That's, okay. tough. It
1: Depends on your weight classes too. Yeah. The lightweights, the fast, okay. Yeah. The heavyweights can last longer. But these days, you know, you, you, once now and these days here, once you're into your past your mid twenties, okay. pushing thirty, you just start decreasing your ability. Similar to football, I guess. Uh, a yeah, sport because like there's that, so right? much competition. You know, everybody's in yeah. such good shape. Yeah. So you know, it's it, it's very it's fun doing it. Yeah. You got to keep up your standards at that level. You know, it's yeah. just like the pro hockey. Yeah. If you're not working out. Not just doing hockey, but you can do other things on your own. Yeah. Running, biking, swimming, whatever it is to keep in shape.
0: Yeah. But it's good that you can, uh, you can still compete recreationally for your life. That's right. I, yeah. I, I can.
1: I still. You know what? I, I'm still. De- I can still demonstrate. There aren't too many guys my age teaching past seventy-five. They don't. I, but I. They stand around watching maybe. But I teach actually. I demonstrate everything. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't have somebody. Like I demonstrate all the moves and that. And I can go into show techniques and that. Guys fifty years old, they can't get into that position. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, but I still do that. So, so what's
0: what's been the key to your longevity? Then would you say? Well,
1: I don't know. Besides genes, <laughs> I think it's jeans. it's uh, eating good food. Yeah. Okay. I never. I like good food. A good thing. I like Japanese food. You know, and vegetables and stuff like a fish. Okay. Yeah. That's and uh, and working out, having to be living a good life, not too much alcohol. Have a beer the odd time in there, but you know, and have a good life. Have a nice, have a good wife, girlfriend, especially a wife later on. You got to have a wife that stands by you. And you know, and you get along, you enjoy each other. So, you know, I retired in 1996. So I used to go golfing with guys, you know, 20, 30, 40 games a year with the teachers. But then at 201, my wife retired. So I quit golf So because it took too much time. Five hours, you know, I can't. You can't golf 40, 50 days, you know, days a year and you're married and she's staying home. So <laughs> actually I gave it up. I, we, I got her into going to working out more and going on bike rides, going on trips and stuff like that. So, you know, you got to, you can't just do things what you want. You got to there's a family, right? So I made sure I showed, even now, she's in great, She's great shape because I got to walk in every day and before she never did that. And after she retired 201 from U of M, she, you know, she still d- does it, works out with me. We work out four or five
0: times a week good for you guys. Mo Oy is our guest on the Sport Manitoba podcast. More judo talk after a quick break. Playing multiple sports can make you a better athlete. This winter, Sport Manitoba's Play More, Be More campaign strives to raise awareness on the benefits for athletes who play multiple sports at a young age before specializing in one sport, including avoiding overuse injuries and burnout and keeping sport and physical activity fun. Learn more at sportmanitoba.ca. Sport Manitoba and Doctors Manitoba joined forces in 2013 to launch Fit Kids Healthy Kids. Both partners saw the need to promote physical literacy as a means to combat health risks associated with a sedentary lifestyle such as type 2 diabetes and obesity. Doctors Manitoba has been generously supporting Fit Kids Healthy Kids financially since its inception. Learn more at fitkidshealthykids.ca The Sport Manitoba Coaching Awards, presented by Club Region Casino and Event Centre, recognize the outstanding contributions coaches have made to their athletes and their sport. This year, to offset the COVID-19 pandemic, we're celebrating our province's top coaches based on their career accomplishments. Watch for video tributes on our website, sportmanitoba.ca, and on our social media channels on April 6th. So, Mr. Roy, you've been an integral part of the growth of the sport, judo, here in Manitoba over the years. How would you describe the, the growth of the sport in the province from when you started competing until now? Has it come a long way in your well,
1: It's really come a long way. You know, When we first started, I can tell you, there was only one club that was operating at that time. It was downtown Manitoba Institute of Judo or judo, Manitoba Judo Club. And I was going from there, the they grew up, and they got and students getting better. They began to open up clubs and, you know, stand back. Soccer, those are the ones that started at the club downtown and then those that uh, later on when I started the university and Started to progress and we moved into uh, the new uh, Frank Kennedy Out uh, ahead, I, I was teaching all the top judoists there. I was a you might say, provincial coach back then So all the top guys and they stay with me teaching etc. And then some of those that really became really good like burger and that they won medals and that but after what happens after they Finish the competition days, I got them to, to uh, tell them, look, why don't you start a club here? I, I actually asked them to start clubs. And they began to, you know, like Sova, Gary Sova, Mark Berger, okay, and there top fighters, Wayne Amashtar, Henry Fast, they, in the schools. So like I did when I was teaching, I had clubs in my schools, right? And a lot of these, what was lucky is that a lot of the top guys were university, phys- they were in phys ed. They graduated, okay, and they got out and they started their clubs, and before you know it, I would have my, when I started at U of M in uh, 1960, yeah. and the kids' classes started up in 1980, the university actually asked me to move to the U of M in 1980 so be there so I could start teach all year round, okay, and then, so I had Monday, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Monday, Wednesday, and Saturdays, and Friday. So other clubs, when they, Got to open up my students, they started their clubs on Tuesdays and Thursdays so they can still come to U of M to, to work out. They would be the most of them would come out on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So, they, all the time, my top fighters who became good, excellent coaches, they would still be I see them at least once or twice a week on Wednesdays because they would have to learn, I have to, I have to teach them their skills for the going for the next belt, especially the different katas and that, okay? And then they got their own students started to grow up don't forget it was over a span of 40 years or so and they started teaching so it, it, it's really expanding you know you got clubs in Salkirk Brian Jones you know and you got Milton uh, Good in yep. Balmoral who's the president now he's one of my students in the 60s the 60s, 60s mm-hmm. and he's now one, not just a, a good judoka instructor but he's at one of the top referees in the world he's got his IJF mm-hmm. A he's international referee you know and, and uh, Miguel Rueda who's up to, he's working for his, towards that degree too. So it wasn't just judo, you got refereeing, officiating, all that, that's all involved, okay? Yeah. And so people got to like refereeing in the stadium, different, in Brandon, you got different clubs opening, and uh, and their students and that started expanding. So that, that's how it really started to go. Over time, you get your students, their students start, and that's when it really started to go. And don't forget judo. When I started back in the '60s, '50s, and '40s, '50s, '60s, that was the only martial arts going. So we had a sort of a head start. Karate and those sports didn't come into maybe the '60s or so '70s. Yeah. Okay, so that's how uh, yeah. it really started to expand. You no, know, in YMCA, you got older guys into it. You know, Brian Jones. You know, yeah. and uh, different people.
0: So I'm sure it would be hard for you to pick one. Uh, was there a highlight for you along the way, whether it was an event you were at or an athlete you worked with? Any career highlights that, that stand out to you? Well,
1: as, as a coach, too.
0: As a coach or as a competitor, or both?
1: Well, I would say as, as a as a my most I guess it, it was the coach is the maximum achievement coaching is the, when Mark Berger won a bronze medal at the '84 Olymp, Olympics. Okay. Okay. That. And the other one was I suppose myself was. Uh, I you know in the prairies in the early days I used to work I used to be able 145 but I used to fight uh, heavyweights 250 and that well, I wanted the midwest and a scratch it open that at that weight and I was fighting guys so those were those were you know achievements I thought was pretty good yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Param games, I think one of the achievements I had was in 1999 okay. when I was became the chair of the Pan Am Games. They were here, yeah. And we yeah, that out. was yeah, that was really uh, quite accomplishment for yeah, me. For sure. And my own, and my, like I said, you have students that you really like that really became good competitors. You know, like I was mentioned, Mark Berger, uh, sort of Gary Silva, Wayne, much to Henry Fast, and that. And then I had my son, who uh, was on the national team, and he. Actually, he could have, I had two Olympians, right? Joan Beaton, he's now the regional coach in, for Judah Canada. And uh, Nikki Jenkins, uh, she's married, yeah. and I can't remember. Okay? She's an Olympian. Yeah. And it, actually, I could have had a third one in 1996. My son, if he went not the rules today, he would have made it. But in those days, he qualified the division by going to all these tournaments throughout the world. Yeah. And he qualified his weight class. But he had to fight the guy who happened to win the Canadians that year. And wouldn't you know it? He was to fight off in in Ontario. He got food poisoning. Oh, okay, wow. So he was fighting So he was fighting. The next day was you know he wow that was it. So he yeah. he, had, his, he had he could have had his chance to go to the Olympics '96, and if with today rules he would have had to he could have gone without fighting for it because he qualified the division.
0: And what was it like coaching your son? What was that dynamic like? Well, did you enjoy it?
1: Actually, I did because yeah. you know what, I didn't really interfere with him. We talked about that, you know. Like I didn't take no favors, and, yeah. and all my athletes knew it. Yeah. I treated him, him the same as everybody else. Yeah. That's the worst thing you can do is start playing favorites. Yeah. And, and I'm not one of these yellows at tournaments. I watch. I try to talk to the athletes over here. Eh? And uh, no, actually, I was quite lucky, you know. And uh, when he was fighting, became one of the fight, I had Mark Berger at the, when he got older. He retired. He, he he coached him at tournaments. I never did. Okay, Mark, you go sit by him. You. <laughs> You know, so actually, I, it really worked out good. I never had, uh, I, I think the main reason was because I didn't get over excited about it, okay? I was glad he was really doing well and he achieved really well, but I never really went, yeah. let's say, nuts over him fighting and going wild at the side of a match and stuff <laughs> like that. I'm not that type, okay? Yeah. Yeah, so that was really nice seeing him starting off. You know, he was winning right from the time he was young, okay? One Canadian championship and all different as a juvenile, ju- juvenile, junior, and senior.
0: And you've got to travel all over the world, too, right? You've mentioned the 84 Olympics. You got to go to some pretty oh, neat can, places. Could,
1: yeah, well, I couldn't. <laughs> I, Canadian, Jude, Jude Canada got there, okay? So uh, he's the only one that really got got uh, to travel with Mark oh, Berger, okay? Gotcha. So you can't can just go and travel with him. I went as a referee. I had to change. I got to my, I was one step away from my IJFA. I got up to B and I got there, you know, so I was traveling a couple of times to Europe with that, Okay. You know? but I had yeah. to quit. I was too busy with my coaching. So if I would have stayed at that, I probably would be qualified as Olympic coach and yeah. uh, referee too, but you've got to stop somewhere.
0: A few more questions here, Mr. Roy. So, you know, after all these years, have you taken some time to reflect on all that you've accomplished in the Juno world? Because I imagine it's been a, a pretty rewarding experience.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I think about it the odd time, but, yeah. you know, it's th- part of your life, eh? That's what a life experience, so you don't really just hit you. And then all of a sudden you start thinking, wow, did I coach him? You know, like Martin, Dave McKay, I taught him as a young boy, yeah. and he got his black belt with me. And then he became. We went, to, I sent him to, he went to a Greco-Roman championship, never took Greco-Roman, he won the championships. And he was 17, 18 coming out of high school, so he got swallowed up by the rest of the guys. And he went to Simon Fraser. Well, then with him, he went to Simon Fraser, did really well, but he became a coach at Simon Fraser. And he qualified, he coached at the Olympics, Dave McKay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was one of my students.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah so that was must that. be rewarding for you. Yeah, to see I that, see right? so yeah. many of them, eh?
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, it's really rewarding. And the other side in education, I thought so many, uh, hundreds, thousands of students. And I used to see them coming to Fizz Ed, coming to the uh, Frank Kennedy building working out. And I said, you know, I see them in the home see them all over the place. Yeah. You know, in businesses and everything. One of my students I taught he got his black belt. He's the admir- it was in the paper, he's the admiral, vice admiral of the naval fleet.
0: A few more questions, then we'll wrap up. So you know, as a as a former athlete yourself, a coach of many other athletes. Is there any particular advice you would have for young athletes across the province, regardless of what sport they're in?
1: Well, I would say, first of all, do it for fun and make sure you get to like the sport. And uh, when you do it, take everybody into account. It's not just you who's training hard, it affects, okay? And then I would say that, and then involve your family, make sure they know what you're doing and, and just respect everybody in the sport at all levels. And keep control of yourself, okay. So that's the type of thing that you got to do. Now, I think you were asking me before yeah. some of the things. I was proud of. I would yeah. say that, as uh, far as sports Manitoba was concerned, when I got the, uh, I won the coach, the coaching sports Manitoba coaching coach of the year, and also got uh, nominated into the Hall of Fame.
0: Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame yeah. and the Judo Canada Hall of Fame
1: and the Judo Canada Hall of Fame, and I got the life member. And I was the vice president in, of Judah. So that's one of the reasons why I'd, I was involved with the vice president of Judah Canada for 20, 15, 20 years. Yep. Chairman of the grading board. Those are the things that I, I really relished, too. You know, a lot of travel was involved. That uh, That's what that's enough travel for me. And so uh, there's a lot of things that I could reflect on. I said, wow, I did all that. You know, and uh, I'm still involved. I still teach in judo. I still enjoy it. And... Uh, I hope I can keep going for, after my next birthday. You know, I'm going to be
0: what? It's coming up in April. Yep, 84. <laughs>
1: 84. So, <laughs> Good for you. Okay. But you know what? When I made that speech in 2010, we had the 50th anniversary of U of M, 2010. So at that, I remember reading about Prevention Magazine. You do a test 25 questions. Add, s- if you smoke, minus two. If you don't, this and that. Well, at that time, I was... Uh, but add it all up, subtracted everything. Says, "Hey, I told my students, I turned 43 today, and I was uh, nine, t- 10 years ago I was 73. Okay, so <laughs> that's my physio, that's yeah. my uh, physiological age and uh, <laughs> age subtract. You know, t- not your chronological age. So if you say you're 80, 60, or 50, no, nah, it's not. It depends. What what's your what's your physiological age? Not your tech, <laughs> not your chronological age. that's, that's just numbers."
0: There you go. That's a good way to look at it. Right? That's the way, yeah. <laughs> so, besides maybe achieving 10th level black belt, what's next for <sighs> Mo Oi? Is there anything else you would still like to do in the sport or, or in life?
1: Uh, actually, just enjoy life. My son's coming back from Japan, Tokyo. He was there for the last 23 years. He graduated from U of M here. Okay. And he, in 1997, he got his management degree from the U of M here. And he won the Canadian Champs, the Senior Canadian Championships. He said, Dad, I'm going to quit and concentrate on uh, his work. Yeah. And then within a year, he was in de- Tokyo, Japan, because tr- he went there as a, he was selected to go there with, ju- with, from Japan. He really got there like it, He eh, learned Japanese and all that. And he, he's been working there for the last uh, 23 years, but he's got two kids now. He married a little later on, you know, 40s and that, but he's got kids now, one-year-old and three-year-olds, and he wants to raise them in Winnipeg. Because he really enjoyed his time growing, he went to you know Ryerson, he went to Acadia, f- for Richmond Collegiate, the U of M. He wants his son, sons to go through that and live in the area he's in. I'm in mean, the same house. I was there since 1972 when he was wow. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So maybe you come and help me teach at the U of M there, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah. Since I'm not going to be teaching it all the time, yeah. I'll go there and we drop in there after a while. But right now I can still, you know, I'm good. I'm good yet till uh, for a little while.
0: Well, and you, hopefully you can resume your your coaching after co- if if COVID you know eventually yeah. subsides here this year. Hopefully you can get back at it.
1: Definitely, because yeah. it, it, it got to, you know we, every time when Dr. Kennedy you know he he planned games. Were, the first one was what 1966. No, okay. So anyways, so he bought up the turtle mats yeah. and he stored them. He told me, "Mo, I'm going to get these mats for you," and he stored them till 1970 because we're going to have a new building and they actually. He kept them until the Frank Kennedy building, right? Okay. Yeah. And then uh, when I became chair at the Pan Am Games in 1999, the mats, I took them to the U of M, gave it out to different clubs that needed them, and I kept certain amounts for judo tournaments. Then now the remainder, of course, you had to keep for U of M, so I get the whole area there full of judo mats now. And I haven't really worked on it since we did it. Just last year, the university went and did it. The whole area used to be half wrestling mats and half judo mats. Now the whole thing is judo mats.
0: And finally, the last question I have for you, I understand there's some plans in the works for a possible in-person celebration and a reunion with the rest of your judo community, perhaps later this year if restrictions allow, but to honor your ninth degree black belt that we talked about earlier. So I'm sure you're looking forward to that as well.
1: Yeah, that's a complete surprise to me. That's Henry Fass and his group, you know, organized. So I, that's fine. Uh, you know, I, I just assume just uh, have it as it is, but you. Had uh, that. That's great too because uh, they are doing all the work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was looking forward to it, actually.
0: Well, I want to congratulate you on your dedication to your sport. I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you, Mr. Oy. Yep. Okay. Thank you, Nolan. And I should note that shortly after this interview took place, Mr. Oy called me to say that after some further reflection, the ninth Dan or ninth degree black belt was, in fact, his greatest achievement and the thing he was most proud of. Thanks again to Mr. Mo Oi for recounting his lifelong experience in and around the sport of judo, and we commend him for the contributions he's made to our sport community. If you enjoyed this episode of the Sport Manitoba podcast, give us a rating, give us a review, or subscribe to our podcast. Each episode is available anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media, at Sport Manitoba on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, And if you know of an athlete, coach, or somebody else involved in sport who you think would make for a good guest on our podcast, feel free to email me at podcast at sportmanitoba.ca. We do it every month, so we'll be back with another episode in March. I'm Nolan Cole. Thanks for listening to the Sport Manitoba podcast.